What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a special edition of the Around the League podcast, a midweek episode. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jake. And on today's episode, guys, we have a very special guest, someone who is, you know, one of my favorite NBA players, um, former Miami Heat, Golden State Warrior, Philadelphia 76er, Portland Trailblazer, Darrell Wright coming on, uh, our second player to ever come on the Around the League podcast, so he'll join us in a little bit here. But Jake, you know, what What are you looking forward to in, in this uh, interview today and, and things you asking him? I'm looking forward to... Uh, obviously learning more about Darrell Wright, obviously as Heat fans. Um, and there they may not know who exactly Darrell Wright is, but we know him uh, fairly well compared to the nor- than the average person. But then again, I mean, just learning more about him, his career, uh, maybe, you know, you, you learn something new with, you know, every guest that we've had on. So I'm just, I'm excited for it and looking forward to it for sure. For those of you who don't know who Darrell Wright is, like Jake said, he was in the league 10 plus years and we'll really get in, you know, in depth going throughout his career. But his little brother's now in the league. DeLon Wright plays for the Mavs, has played for the Raptors, stuff like that. A good, solid role player in the league. So um, it should be interesting. I'm, I'm, Like I said, I'm really excited because it's someone who I grew up watching. I was on the 2006 Miami Heat Championship team. So for sure. So with that being said. Now, now coming on, guys. 2006 NBA champion, uh, 11, 12 years in the league, uh, Darrell Wright. Darrell, thanks for coming on. Uh, how, how are you and the family, especially during this time and this difficult time that we are all living through? Appreciate y'all having me. Everything good. We just, you know, trying to stay as safe as possible, stay in, in the house and really just wait everything out. So, yeah, everybody here is safe and sound. We enjoying each other. You know, some days are harder than others because you know i'm ready to send my kids back to school or to wherever the heck i could send them for a few hours but everything good (laughs) yeah i i definitely feel Uh, that i know being stuck uh, we're both in college so coming back home from college and being stuck in the house with our families at a certain time it's just like i'm ready to go back or or do something (laughs) you know getting tired of sitting in the house all day but nah uh, i know how that is have you um, uh Darrell, uh, Jake, uh, co-host for the Around the League podcast. Have you, have you been watching any highlights, old highlights of yours? Yeah, I do that often. You know, I, I don't, I didn't wait until quarantine happened. You know, I always oh, try okay. to stay in tune, tune with my game. So I, I always watch stuff. Well, yeah, I just you thought know, now was more of a time. Yeah, but yeah, I feel that. No, Jake, since you bring that up, did you watch uh, the the MJ documentary? And what, what was your thoughts on on that? Heck yeah, I watched it, man. I it did. Was super... Oh. Yeah. Or were you yeah, asking me? I'm sorry. No, no, I was asking you, Darrell. My bad, my bad. No, it's all good. No, oh, okay. I, I I watched it. It was it was dope, man. You know, me growing up in that era, that's my era when I was a kid. You know, that's some, some of the guys I watched growing up. So just to see it all, you know, rewind back to, you know, those days I was in elementary, middle school, childhood memories, man. That, that, that was so great to see. And I can't wait till next Sunday. Uh, see the the next two. Yeah, I know. I think everyone, uh, especially basketball fans, that's the only thing we look forward to now every week. It feels like you have at least something to do or, you know, an appointment or something to look forward to. Uh, but with that, I, I do want to get into your career and, and how you started. Um, you were born out in California and mm-hmm. I see that you went to school in Connecticut. What was that? Did you move early in your childhood or in the middle in 
in the middle of high school years. When did you move out to um, go to school at South Kent High School? So with that, that was a boarding school I went to. So that was like a post-grad year I did. So I left the house at, I think I just turned 17. So I left at 17 to do a post-grad year to get ready for college and, you know, just tune up my game, get better and stuff like that. So I, I didn't do that until 2003. Wow. Okay. And then obviously you enter the NBA draft coming straight out of high school or doing that post-grad almost like, um, I know you're very good friends with uh, Dwayne Wade and his son Zaire just said he's going to do a, a post, you know, high school graduate at a Brewster Academy in Connecticut mm -hmm. also. Um, what went into that decision and was there, if, was there a college out there that you were really thinking about going to and, and what factored into that whole decision there? Yeah. You know, I, uh, you know, UConn was a big, big school that was really recruiting me hard USC and DePaul. But before I even got there, I kind of settled for DePaul just because I like the coaching staff. I like the idea of living in Chicago, somewhere my parent, my, my mother is from. So, you know, I definitely considered it, but I kind of knew once I did my post-grad year that I had no chance of going to college. So it was one of those things where I felt like I was, uh, you know, doing a good deed for those guys, you know, recruiting me so well and, and stuff like that. And it, and it gave the school a lot of buzz as well. But in the back of my mind, I, I just knew if I did well in prep school, maybe, you know, I didn't have a chance to go to college. Yeah, so you, you developed your game in, in uh, you know, that grad year. Um, and uh, that post-grad year, and you, you, uh, you know, you go into the draft, uh, you know, straight out of high school, uh, and you, uh, you know, you go to the Miami Heat at, at pick 19 in the first round. Uh, was there anyone that could have gotten you before that, um, teams that you may have, may have worked out for? Or? Yeah, the one team that was pretty early on in the, um, in the lottery was uh, Golden State Warriors. They ended up taking Andres Bedrins which who became one of my closest friends now to this day, which is super funny. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was one of the, one of the teams that told me they, they might, if Andres wasn't there, they'd take me. And when that pick came, uh, I was pretty upset. Cause I would, I thought that would have been a dope place to go. And I know I just killed my work out there. So that was the only team that kind of told me like, if you know, certain scenarios they'd take me. But a lot of like mock drafts and a lot of draft boards had me going like in the 20s to like Boston. I think Boston had two picks in the 20s. And, you know, I was kind of getting projected to go there, but I ended up not going there and, you know, get picked a few picks early before the Boston picks. Yeah. OK, OK. So so and also, um, you know, uh, you know, Pat Riley just doesn't pick anyone. And, and we know this. I mean, he. he he really, really believes in, you know, whoever he picks, um, especially in the draft. And then, you know, picking up guys, we see, you know, this this team now uh, with the Heat. But, uh, you know, Pat Riley, uh, he was the coach uh, for the Lakers when you were um, in Cali growing up and whatnot. So, uh, you know, talk to me about, uh, you know, your relationship with Pat and, um, you know, how, how that how that is. Man, you know, Pat is... Pat is one of those guys I've been looking up to for years. Just like you said, he was, you know, coach of Showtime. Me being a Laker fan growing up, you know, I, I used to see him all the time, see the slick hair, see the, the, the fly suits, and, you know, stuff like that. So I've always been a fan of Pat. So, uh, you know, once, once Miami drafted me and I got 
opportunity to talk to Pat, it was like so real to me because this is, you know, I'm really talking to somebody I've been gro growing up watching for all these years. So it was super dope to be a part, you know, of, of organization that Pat Riley was a part of and me knowing his basketball mind, you know, I knew he had me there for a reason. I knew he was going to hold me to a high standard. So it was super dope, man, to be able to go in that office every week because Pat used to bring me in the office every week, you know, just to pick my brain, see what's going on in the 18 year old's mind and making sure I'm staying on the right path and just, you know, doing the right thing. So uh, I have so much respect for Pat, not only picking me and giving me an opportunity, but, you know, grooming me into a young man and, and the father and the husband and the, uh, you know, the businessman I am today. That's dope. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And especially he must have had uh, some faith in you, you being the only heat, uh, first round pick ever to to come straight out of high school. Mm -hmm. And that's especially such a young age, obviously. You get drafted and you come to the heat and to a team that obviously right after that they acquire Shaq. Um, who j just came off, you know, one of the greatest dynasties of all time with the Lakers and, and Kobe. Yeah. Um, you come to young D-Wade, a young Udonis Haslam, Eddie Jones is on the team, Damian Jones. Um, what was that like just coming in? And especially, I know, you know, Dwayne Wade obviously wasn't what he is, you know, just even two years later. But what was that right. like playing with Shaq and, and, and that team the year before you guys won it all in 06? Man, another super dope, uh, unreal moment. You know, just like you said, Shaq coming off, you know, some of the craziest years in the Lakers with the Lakers. And once again, me growing up in Los Angeles, watching the Lakers, being fans of these guys. And now all of a sudden we're teammates. So it was super dope, you know, picking those guys' brain. Uh, those guys all did a great job with taking me under their wing, showing me the ropes, uh, teaching me how to be a professional on and off the court. So I picked so much. I picked their brains so much and asked so many questions. And, you know, they did the right thing. They gave me a hard time. But at the end of the day, they made sure I was always good and, and made sure whenever I went to another team or whatever I ended up doing, you know, I always carried myself professional, like a pro, and worked hard. So it, it was super dope playing with all those guys. And D-Wade, you know what I mean, he and I uh, became cool quickly because we were pretty much – close in age everybody else is old farts you know so we have to, we have to lock together you know sometimes yeah, no, yeah. That, that, and that's for sure yeah i want to talk about because you mentioned being a professional and one of the guys on that team uh a veteran in, in that in that respect is alonzo morning and right. sort of just uh you know a pioneer i i think he was one of the pioneers for the what we know now is the heat culture Mm -hmm. um, you know, work hard and whatnot. So I want to get your uh, thoughts on Alonzo and just, um, you know, what he advice that he gave you, you know, stuff that he uh, told you about and, and whatever. It was kind of funny playing with Zoe because Zoe was like, I looked at, I looked at uh, Shaq. I looked at Eddie Jones. I looked at them as like big bros and stuff like that. That's like kind of the category they were in. Like, you know, we could have a good time, laugh. Zoe, I looked at like another father, you know what I mean? <laughs> he used to be so disappointed. If I said something like crazy off the wall or did something, he'd just look at me like, you know, that father's there. Like, bro, what are you thinking? Right so, yeah. Um, I have so much respect for Zoe just because Zoe, not only himself, but his teammates and the organization he held everybody to a high standard. And, you know, you can do that when you work your butt off and put the time in. You know, uh, Zoe used to be there early and be the last one to leave. And he really 
was definitely the definition of a Miami Heat player, the Miami Heat culture, somebody that's going to run through a brick wall and do whatever it takes for their team to win. So shout out to Zoe because Zoe put me on a lot of free game, not only on, on the court, but also, you know, with my suits and, you know, how to put this and that together. So big shots to Zoe, man, because he, he, he's a big reason why, you know, I, I got real stylish on the, on the business side. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, as both of us, like I mentioned, as Heat fans, you know, he's, listen, his numbers, you know, forever going to hang in the Raptors of American Airlines Arena. And it's, he, he is, you know, one of the catalysts of one of those original, you know, I know back in the 90s when the Heat used to play the Knicks, you know, one of those Heat teams. And for him, you know, at the end of his career to be with you guys and, and like you said, mentor you and almost be a father figure in a sense must have been really cool. But then you guys go and, and you guys – losing the Eastern Conference Finals 0405 and and in 0506 you guys win a championship and you guys get you got you get guys like Gary Payton, James Posey, Jason Williams, uh, obviously Shaq is still on the team, James Posey, um I, I think I didn't mention him. What we're playing, you know, with those guys who are also, you know, legends of the game like Gary Payton and stuff that how how special was that and how special was that team? I know you didn't get to play a lot during that season, but still just to be around the guys and and, and you are part of the team. I mean in yeah. practice and stuff like that yeah you know just being able to go out there and compete at a high level um, a lot of people you know think just because I didn't play that I didn't have you know a lot to do with the success but you know us being on the scout team and having to uh, imitate other players and really go at those guys and 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 try to you know get those dudes game ready as possible that's what I did and you know I took on the challenge I knew these guys were living legends i knew these guys had way more experience but i knew if i went at them just as hard as they was going at me that was only going to get make me better and you know i like i not in my wildest dreams i ever thought i'd be playing with all these legends on one team when you look back at it it's super crazy the names that was on that team but you know i, I just soaked it i soaked up all the information they gave me and you know i just tried to carry myself like a pro like i said and you know, just make those dudes happy and proud. That's how I felt. Like I had to make these dudes. I can't. I can't let these guys down. So, yeah, man, it was dope. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I, I remember me. I was a six, seven year old at that time, and I really started watching Heat then, about a year or so before that. And and I remember that team. It was just a special team, especially like you said, a lot of veterans, a lot of guys who they were past their prime. But you guys all had one goal in mind. I mean, you guys had the fifteen strong. I know that Pat Riley put together, you know, you guys had those cards that would be in the middle of the locker room and it was just a special, special team you guys had. Um, right. Someone else, Antoine Walker. Now tell me, obviously it was, you know, you, Dwayne Wade, Udonis has on the young guys. Tell me some Udonis stories that I know Udonis isn't, he was a different player then than what he was now, but did he always have that, that mentality, that, you know, dog mentality and, and get after it and do whatever it needs to take to win back then? Yeah, UD always been the same way, you know, him being an underdog, him being undrafted, just his whole route to the NBA, you know, he carried that, he, he rolled with that chip on his shoulder, you know, so, uh, you know, UD is who he is, who you see, you know, he's been like that since day one, he ain't gonna take too much stuff from you, and he's gonna run through a brick wall, and another guy, that's a true definition of the heat culture, you know, so, yeah, Udon has always been competitive and always had something to prove. He's always undersized. 
never talked about. So he felt like he had to prove to the whole world every single night that he belongs. And as you can see, he's still around <laughs> 17 years later yeah. after going undrafted and going to Europe. His first season is, is pretty impressive to me. As he's a dog, man, for sure. Uh, and also, like, just to add on to that, like, a lot of a lot of teams need that veteran-type presence, like, especially, like, you know, going on, what, 17 years in the league. So a lot of teams need that, and, and that's good for a lot of the young guys on this on the, on the Heat team right now. Uh, I want to ask sure as is. well about um, – yeah, I want to ask uh, about uh, the goofy big man, Shaq. You got a story <laughs> You got a story with Shaq? Man, it's not one story. It's too many stories, bro. That dude was the biggest – biggest kid I ever played with. He's one of those dudes you always got to be having your head on a swivel because you never know he'd be popping out to scare you or jump on you and just do some crazy stuff, some type of prank. So, man, he was just always fun, always in a good spirit. He, he hardly got mad. You know what I mean? He was just really living life and, and having a great time. And I think he really, really changed the culture uh, for athletes doing stuff outside of basketball and not really giving a dang what people had to say about him. He's not working on his game, but you know, he was smart. He was, he was putting, he was building his brand off the court. So when he was done with basketball, you know, he could go right into those ventures that he was, uh, uh, discovering and learning. Yeah, that that's for sure. I know Shaq is one of my favorite players of all time. And even watching him now on inside the NBA with him, Charles Barkley, um, that show, I know it's probably my favorite show on TV to watch. After, yeah. you know, after that 05-06 season, you know, things start coming on a downfall for the Heat. Uh, Shaq goes, a lot of the veterans start going. But you start getting more playing time. How crucial was that for you, especially under a coach like Pat Riley, to really gain that confidence say, hey, you know, they have confidence in me to play no matter what our record is. And, yeah, we're making the first round or I know, you know, one of those years, you know, you guys were one of the worst teams in the league. But how crucial was that for you? I was definitely crucial because it was like, finally, about time is my turn, you know. And uh, this is something that I've been getting told from day one. Wait your turn. Wait your turn. And, you know, being an 18, 19-year-old kid, you know, just coming off averaging 30 and being all everything, that sounds good. But the hell with that. I want to play now. So, you know, I had to practice patience. I had to practice and develop my game to be consistent, to go out there every single night and play at a high level. So those, that first year and a half of not really getting the minutes I wanted really, you know, built my game and developed my game to, you know, play 11, 12, and 16 years professionally, you know. So um, once my time finally came, it was like, man, I got to seize the moment. You know, I had a lot of up and downs with injuries and stuff early on in my career. But, you know, I stayed at it. I stayed working and stayed learning you know, different ways to get better and expand my game. So once it was my time, you know, I just tried to, you know, do my thing. Yeah, no. Um, and then obviously to the summer 2010 comes and you're a free agent. Uh, that summer, you know, changed probably NBA history in a lot of sense with the big three teaming up. How did that go for you? And was there a chance that you, you know, you talked to the heat front office or even talked to Dwayne Wade and was like, Hey, is there any chance I can come back? Or was your mindset once you hit free agency, Hey, I'm probably not going to go back there. And obviously you go to the Warriors. But how did that summer go for you? Um, yeah. How did that summer go? Oh, for you? It, my, that summer went great for me. You know, it was, it was a win-win situation for me. I feel like the work I put in at that season 
you know, I put myself in position to get paid. And, you know, if it was in Miami, great. If, if not, you know, it was time for me to expand and spread my wings, you know. So uh, I sat around the TV. Well, actually, I did a live. I was live on TV. I think it might have been. I don't want to say seeing. I forget what channel I was on. It was a major channel I was on. And I was doing like, you know, kind of a like a uh, panel with a few other people in sports about, you know, the decision that LeBron was getting ready to make. So once that happened, I was shocked just like the rest of the world. And I knew at that point right there that it, my chances of going back to Miami were, were slim and none. But, you know, right away, day one of free agency, you know, I had a bunch of people calling me and, you know, trying to get me to their team. And I felt like Golden State was the best fit for myself and my family. So, uh, that that was one of the best things that happened to me, you know, LeBron going to Miami and me being able to go spread my wings and showing people, you know, more to more of my game, I would say. Yeah, and, and and you go back home to, you know, a place that you're very familiar with. I mean, around the area, obviously, in, in Golden State um, and the Warriors. Uh, and you have a really great season, uh, 2011. Uh, you know, average 16.4 points, um, you know, uh, start, you, you know, you, you play all the, all 82 games, start all 82 games. Um, what would you say really clicked during that season? Because you, you know, you're, you're among like one of the best three point shooters. Um, you know, we know Golden State is a, has a really good uh, three points team even, you know, now. Um, but what really clicked during that season and uh, you know, what, what maybe did you do to, you know, change up things or, or, and whatnot? Uh, you know, it's just like anybody, anybody that's working a regular day job or whatever it is, you know, it's opportunity. I had the opportunity yeah. to start from day one. I was playing 38 minutes a game. I think I was top five in the lead in minutes. So, you know, when, when that comes, you know, success comes. And that's what happened. You know, I was getting the opportunity to go out there and, you know, showcase everything that I've been working on my whole life and really playing how I played in high school. So it was just a good time, man, to go out there and finally be, you know, playing in the West is a high tempo game. And it was just a lot of a lot of a lot of shots for me. I played with good players that was that were very unselfish. So they found me on the perimeter and my job was really just to knock down open shots. You know, I had one or two plays they called for me, get a bucket and, you know, guard the best guy on the other team. So it, it was just my time, I felt like. Yeah, I mean, you. You go out there and it's just, I mean, you just really dominated when you came out there. And you play with, I don't know if people know, some guy named Steph Curry who just, you know, was just arriving on the scene. Um, You play with him, you play with Monte Ellis, uh, David Lee. What was that team like? Especially, uh, I'm looking here and I was looking before, really a younger team and and you're one of the kind of the veterans on the team almost. What was that uh, team atmosphere like and, and what was Steph like at that time oh man it was it was great man I was I, I was with a bunch of young dudes now I'm finally like in the middle you know what I mean so it, it was good uh I was always one of those leaders that led by example you know I, I voiced my opinion when I felt like it was needed and I feel like it was an easy job going to go to state because all those young guys put the work in so, you know, not only was was the veteran guys getting the work in and getting better, but you see Steph, you know, 
game day, before game, whenever. He's going to be there earlier than everybody. He's going to be there longer than everybody just because he's putting in that extra work either on the court or in the weight room. And you've seen it. You've seen that he 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 had greatness coming along. MVP, finals, and all that. No, I didn't see that. I, I won't even lie. But being an all-star, I for sure saw that just because he put the work and the time in. And uh, I think that was the biggest thing that really separated him from all the other guys in his classes, his attention to detail and him putting the work in and getting better each and every year. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely, um, you know, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, how you build, uh, you know, just working hard and building, uh, you know, your, your game up like that. And, you know, it's, yeah, uh, as far as uh, I think Clay, I believe Clay was there, uh, the year, the, your last year in uh, in Golden State, um, did you see potential in that duo of Steph and Clay? Yeah, I I knew it because I didn't I didn't know about the duo. I didn't know how soon or anything like that. But I did see the potential of them two, you know, playing well. Two good kids, you know, two guys that come from you know NBA background with their father, so they know the game. They know what it takes to you know to have longevity. And they know how to carry themselves and be professional. So uh, once I seen Clay, I seen the same thing, his worth ethic. You know, him putting the time in. I won't say he was always um, always there before, guys. Because Clay used to, if practice was at 10, Clay used to show up at like 9.50. Yeah, but when he got on that court, he competed. You know what I mean? And he stayed after and got the work in. And he was, I think he was, he was, he was so sharp once he came out of college. It was the transition to the NBA was super easy for him. And it was all about opportunity and minutes for him. Once he got that, I think, you know, that's when he really, really took off. Yeah. And, and looking at that team, you guys get a new co- coach, Mark Jackson. What was, what was that playing? What was that like playing for Mark Jackson? And obviously I, I believe now he should be getting an opportunity to be a coach. And I know he's a great uh, analyst, and but I think he really is a great coach and really uh, was the catalyst for what we know as the Warriors now or that that run that they had obviously with Steve Kerr. But what was that like and playing under Mark Jackson? Oh, it was cool. You know, somebody I respected, someone I watched. You know, again growing up, so uh, you know I had became more and more of a fan of him after you know listening to him commentate games, and I felt like him and and Jeff Van Gundy were like two of the best second best after Shaq and those guys, well, uh, after TNT. I think Shaq wasn't there yet. I always felt like those guys at TNT were hilarious, but I think Shaq just put them, you know, over, you know, over the, uh, over the top. edge, you know, over the top. But, you know, yeah. when, when Mark came, it was cool because I knew he knew the culture. You could hear it in his, in his commentating, you know, that New York City uh, uh, attitude, personality. So, it was cool. It sucked that it was a lockout. Uh, you know, um, he was one of those coaches that was going to give players opportunity. So, you know, when, when opportunity come, you know, some of my minutes went down a little bit. I wasn't really tripping on that. But, you know, he was trying to do the best thing he could do to win games. So that's what he did. And he changed the culture there pretty quick. Yeah. Um and definitely, I mean, this team was you know, a lot of the key guys who have won those championships were on that team. One more guy I want to ask about on this Warriors team is Richard Jefferson, someone who I've really come to love on TV. He's just a great personality. What was he like in the locker room? Because he's just he seems like just such a like he's just like a goofball, it seems like um, off the court and, and just the things he says. So what was that 
you know, being in the locker room with him and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, he was cool too, man. Rich, he came kind of later on in the season, him and Bogut for Monte. So, you know, the, the little time we did spend with Rich, he was pretty cool, dude. You know, uh, high basketball IQ, you know, hard worker. He's one of those guys when you see him, you're like, okay, I understand why he's still around. Because he put the time in. He's a good teammate. And like you said, very sarcastic. Uh, you know, always got jokes. You know, some of the jokes he says is like, damn, should I laugh at this or is that offensive? You know, he's one of those <laughs> guys that's going to push the edge. <laughs> Push the limit on, on his joke. So, but he always was, was a cool, solid dude. Yeah, I see. Uh, I see Richard Jefferson and Gilbert Arenas as they were uh, college uh, teammates, just having a bunch of fun on uh, yeah. IG. But anyway, uh, want to move on to. Uh, so you go from the Warriors, you get traded uh, in a three-team trade in uh, in July of uh, 2012. I want to ask you about. Um, there's a, it's pretty funny because uh, first thing you asked about when you got traded was about this fan who uh, who jots down stats for the people that are doing the, for the opposing team that's doing bad. Right. <laughs> Talk to me about yeah. that a little bit. Oh it's yeah, he's funny. hilarious. I forget the the sign guy name, but um, the the funniest thing he ever did was when we played. <laughs> that was that 2009. Yeah, my last year in Miami. When we play, no, I'm sorry, that was 2008. It's the year we drafted Beasley and Chalmers, and after all that little mm-hmm. mess they got into after, uh, you know, RTP, the uh, rookie transitioning program, when you know, uh-huh. I guess to get caught smoking, smoking and stuff. So he had yeah. the signs ready for him. He had the Ching Ching Chong <laughs> signs up. That might have been the funniest thing I've ever seen. And it's one of those things where it, it's just laughable. Like, this guy is really taking his time to look up different stats and stuff or, you know, do his due diligence on uh, what guys got going on off the court or even on the court to just make fun of you. So he was pretty cool, pretty cool guy. I, always, he, I don't think he ever sent no shots at me or whatever. It probably looked too serious with him. <laughs> yeah, that, it's funny. J- we, me, me and Jake were talking about this be- before the episode, and I didn't even know about it. He brought that up to me. I started laughing because I was like, I, I never knew that this guy in Philly was doing that. And that, that's hilarious, especially with Mar- uh, Beasley and, and Mario Chalmers, that what he did. That that was uh, pretty funny. Hilarious. You were, you were, yeah, you, you were on Philly for, for one year, um, played a lot. You were key in their rotation, uh, played under, you know, uh, coach and Doug Collins, who, you know, coached MJ and stuff. What was that team like? I know, you know, they were kind of a middle of a pack team. Uh, just t- take me through, you know, obviously your one year in, in Philadelphia. Oh, it was dope. It was it, it was a quick as a snap, bro, that one year. Um, you know, they built the team, uh, you know, around – you know, trying to get shooters around Andrew Bynum, and it just didn't work out, bro. Uh, it's funny because me and Swaggy P, I posted a bunch of throwback pictures, and Swaggy P commented on, you know, some stuff that when we we had that one year there, it's just it was just a mess because we 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 looked great on paper in the beginning, and we just got off to a rocky start, you know, with Andrew being down, and you know us. You know, uh, trying to see when he's going to come back, when he's going to come back. And then it got to a point like, hell, he ain't coming back. We just got to, you know, just try to win as many games. 
excuse me, many as many games as possible, man. So that 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 Philly year, it was a cool year, but it was just a a quick 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 season, man. You mentioned Swaggy P. Just let it, tell us about tell us about Nick Young because he's one of my he's the most entertaining player I think. I, I just off the court, him and uh, we mentioned Gilbert Arenas before. Him and Gilbert Arenas yeah. are hilarious. Yeah, he's a clown, bro. T- take just, me th- take me th- through Nick Young and what he does on off the court, on the court, everything he does. He's just a clown, bro. He clowns all day. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's definitely a personality, and uh, I think that's when he that's when the the Swaggy P really really was embraced because. That's what Doug Collins called him. He was like Swaggy or Swaggy P. You know, he really embraced it. And I feel like Doug Collins was the one that really, really uh, changed the narrative on how Swaggy P was looked at. You know, he, he became, you know, a star after that after that year in Philly when, once he went, I think he went to the Lakers. So shout yeah. out to Swaggy P. That's my guy. We used to compete against each other in high school and uh, still my boy. Yeah, no, it, he's he's hilarious, especially when people ask him about that name Swaggy P. He he says he's going to write a book. <laughs> he says the mystery of the P. But right. after that, after that one year, you go to Portland and you play, you go on a, a really, I mean, a, some can say a contending team in the West with Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, and a trend that I, I really started to notice, you played with, you know, a young D-Wade, then a young Steph. Now you're playing with a young Dame, and mm-hmm. you're, you know, a vet at this time. What did you see in Damian Lillard that you look now and you're like, wow, like I, either I didn't expect that or I really, you know, that, that he was like that all along? Hey, don't don't forget to mention Drew Holiday. I played with him on his, his all-star year, too. But, um, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't even see that. Yeah, Drew Holiday was an all-star that year. I played with him. That was yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, who I think is one of the more underrated players in the league. Very underrated. But you know, Dame, he he get he gives me that that same motivation, that same attitude as Udonis. Underdog, been looked over my whole life. Nobody takes me serious. Now I'm on the biggest stage. Everybody got to pay, and that's the attitude that he went out there each and every day, and to this day with all the success and. All the money he's made on and off the court, he still has that same underdog mindset where every time I get in front of you, I'm I'm gonna be your worst nightmare. And one of the humble, most humble superstars I know. You know what I mean? Very solid, very uh, very humble, and uh, man, just a beast, bro. I agree. And what one of my favorite players to, to watch in the league for sure right now. Um, as far as other guys on our roster, I want to I want to note Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, you know, obviously, uh, when you got there, seven years in the league, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge. But talk to me about, I mean, mid range game, incredible. So I mean, talk yeah. to me about Lamarcus a little bit. Lamarcus was a layup. That mid range was a layup for him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but Lamarcus and I was the same year in high school, but he was a Nike kid. I was a Adidas kid, so we kind of missed each other throughout our high school careers as far as playing against each other. And we, we ended up being teammates for the Jordan Capital Classic game, but he was hurt, so he didn't play. So I finally, like, after all these years of, you know, seeing this guy, you know, same age as me, same class, I'm finally playing with him. So just to see the time and the work he put in into his craft to be be a good player, be an all-star at that. And, you know, I think he carries that same uh, – mentality that he's been underdog and not too many people talk about him and he showed that on the court each and every night 
when he went out there, it's like, I'm going to try to kill whatever power forward that's out here so I can be mentioned and I can be an all-star. But he was a solid A1 straight-up guy, too. Another humble guy, for sure. That, that 2014 team uh, that you were on in, in Portland, you guys, you know, 54-28 and 28 record. I mean, really, really good team and ended up losing, obviously, in the, in the semifinals to the Spurs, who ended up going to the championship. What how did what experience did you bring to that team? Obviously, you winning a championship with the Heat, being on some playoff teams throughout your career. How did you help that team? And, and being a key rotational piece, how did you fit in that team? And how do you think you you know you know, you're kind of being the vet who's giving the advice to the young guys like Dame, like CJ, yep. and stuff like that. I feel like we have some of the best starters, you know, with Wes and Nico and and Dame and Robin. You know, it was the best. I think those are the, some of the best role players to put uh, with with two superstars. And then you had myself, Mo Williams, and who was the other guy coming off me? I think it might have been Thomas Robinson or Joe Freeland, you know, just to put all those pieces together and all guys buying in to the, to the team made us successful. So once we got to the playoffs in that Houston series and they were – you know, the higher seed, we went in there with that mindset. It's like, man, we're, we're, we're a better team. We're a deeper team, and we're going to defend, and we're going to make open shots. And I think that's what we did. You know, me bringing that spark off the bench with not only energy defense with knocking down open shots, I felt like I, I meshed well with a lot of those guys, and I was able to be versatile, be, be playing the three sometimes, play the four, and I was able to handle the ball a lot too. Yeah, I mean, it was I, – I remember that team. And you guys, I mean, really, I mean, you guys were a young, young team, especially with two – you know, you guys were building around two stars and, and Dame and CJ and two, like you said, underrated stars, guys who had tip on chips on their shoulders. It was a, a really uh, fun year probably for you guys. The next year you guys come back and, and really have the same type of season, but instead you guys go out uh, in the first round. Going into that next season, 2014-15 – how did you guys feel like you matched up versus the rest of the West? And, and Man, we, did you guys feel like, you know, you could compete for that championship? Yeah, I think we, we felt like we was good enough to get back to where we were. It was just, you know, we got so lucky the year before where I think the only person I missed game might have been 10 games LaMarcus missed the year before. And I think the next year, that's when we just had that injury bug. You know, Dame, I think, finally missed. Or I don't think he missed the game, but, you know, he, he started getting banged up a little bit. Then, you know, Wesley with the uh, Achilles. And then LaMarcus, I think, messed up his thumb. I just feel like we just had a, a lot of bad luck in during the season, you know. But uh, the pieces we had, we were still, you know, staying, you know, in the race and doing a good job. It's just we ran into the wrong team in Memphis with, you know, a bunch of guys out. Wesley, one of our key defenders, I missed that whole series with a broken hand. And it was just, you know, kind of hard uh, depending on a bunch of young players to beat a very gritty, uh, physical veteran Memphis team. So it was just one of those things where we just got the the bad end of the stick, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I I, w- I could see that for sure. Um, as far as so your 2015 is interesting for you because you go in sign uh, with the Fly Dragons and the Chinese Basketball Association. So talk to me about um, and you had you know you put up you know playing 37 games for for the Dragons. You put up 
24 points and a little over seven rebounds. Um, that's what you average. So, um, what's it called? Uh, just talk to me about like that whole entire process of you, um, you know, transitioning to or or choosing to go and play overseas, and then also um, the transition of of going from the U.S. to China. Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. It kind of threw a lot of people off because. Like, you know, I kind of waited for free agency, but, you know, I was at that, I was at a point in my career where I wanted to go back to feeling that I could still hoop at a higher level. So that was my whole thing. You know, it was a great contract they offered me, and I felt like the season was short enough that if I did well, I could get back on with a team during the playoffs. So that was my whole mindset going into it. It's like, let's go out here. That's hot. That's hoop. You know, it's different, you know, me being an NBA player for 11 years and now I'm here. But, you know, I, I, I went into it very positive and I went into it like I'm about to show guys I'm still I'm still nice. So it was dope playing in China, man, because I had been with a Chinese shoe brand the last six years. So me going there was a was a no brainer because I was very familiar with China and I knew the opportunity I have off the court and building my brand. So. That was kind of the mindset I had. And then the basketball was just basketball, man. You know, no matter where you are in the world, it's still the same thing. You just got to go out there and, and, and do it at a high level. So it, it was a good experience. Yeah. And then after, you know, Chinese Basketball League ends a little before the NBA season, you come back over and you sign with the Heat. And I, I remember that because I was like, you know, I kind of, I'll be on, you know, I kind of lost track of you after you left Portland. I didn't realize you went out to China and then you come back and sign with the Heat. And I know me as a, as a Heat fan and someone who remembers, you know, we, we talked so much about that 2006 team and and those years for you to come back. What was, how, how excited were you to come back and not only to a Heat team, but a a contending Heat team at the time who, in my opinion, if Chris Bosch, you know, unfortunately he, you know, with his, his uh, health issues wasn't hurt. I think you guys probably, make a run against Cleveland and possibly even go to the championship. Tell me about that. Um, and also, you know, I'll get into playing against your brother in the playoffs. Yeah, it was super dope, bro. You know, the fact that uh, I almost cussed Coach Fizdale out through text, man. He <laughs> asked me what, what I thought about maybe, you know, re, re, uh, reuniting back with the team and and coming back. And this, and I said, well, are you crazy? Hell yeah. Like, sign me up. And so he was like, yeah, you know, we're thinking about it and this and that. So I, I spoke to him. I spoke to, you know, uh, Coach Sposter and stuff like that. So it was pretty dope for me to go back and, and have an opportunity to go where, where it all started for me. So uh, then, you know, being a playoff team and having an opportunity to go somewhere uh, was super, super uh, two thumbs up for me. Yeah, and you guys, you know, seven-game series against the Hornets, and then you guys play the Raptors, and and your little brother's on the Raptors. Tell me how special is that for you and your family, and just, I mean, listen, for one person to get to the NBA from your uh, a family is special, but for two of you and to, for two of you to play at the highest level, at the highest stage in the playoffs, what was that like? That was super dope, man. I wish, I, I just wish that, you know, it wasn't his first year. I wish... I wish it was like, you know, me in the middle of my career and him like, you know, a few years in. So we could have really went out there and competed against each other and be on the court at the same time. I think that last game we end up, you know, after I think that was a blowout or whatnot. And they end up throwing, you know, the bench in the game. We got an opportunity to share the court for like two or three minutes. That was pretty dope. But just to see the work he put in and, and the path he took to get to the league, that was 
opposite of what I did, that was super dope, and I was super excited and happy for him. That's awesome, yeah. As far as your, your brother, I mean, your brother's still in the league, obviously, uh, with the Mavericks now. Um, what have you told him, obviously, when he was coming up um, and, you know, uh, climbing up in the in the ranks and, and you know, trying to uh, – and then obviously getting the league and whatnot, you know, uh, league advice and whatnot. What advice have you given him about uh, the league and, you know, how, how he's going to experience things and whatnot? Well, you know, I try to give him – I try to give him advice as he goes – he kind of grew up being around me, so he's seen how I operated, seen how a lot of stuff go on the business side. So he's, he had a little, you know, heads up of that before he got there. So I just try to, you know, I, I don't try to be one of those guys that want to, you know, be in his ear all the time. I just I just find times to give my, my advice when I see his opportunity because sometimes a voice can get so watered down where people tune you out. So I just try to give him the best advice yeah. whenever he asks me or when I see something. So I'm pretty much on a more about, you know, the on-court stuff. Uh, you know, I watch so much basketball. When I see stuff, he get a paragraph of a, a summary of his game after every game if it's something I see. Yeah, I, I think that's so key. And I, I think obviously, you know, listen, it's like um, I, I have siblings. I know, Jake, you have siblings. You know, sometimes your siblings don't mm-hmm. necessarily listen to you in a certain respect. But just for someone, you know, for you already to play at that level and know what he's going through, just for you to hit, say, hey, you know, maybe you need to do this, that or the other. I think it's so key. And I, I bet he really appreciates it as much as I bet you enjoy just doing that and, and seeing your little bro um, play in the league. Yeah, so. After the heat, you go off it to Europe, and I know even as recently as a couple months ago, you were playing. Where are you now? Are you? I mean, are you officially retired? Are you still looking? You know, who knows? Maybe you get back in the NBA. Obviously, no one knows what's going on with the NBA right now. But in yeah. the next month, coming months, and next year. Yeah, I'm just living right now, bro. I don't know what's next. Just taking the day by day, and once you know the world is back on track, then I'll be able to weigh my options more on which which way I want to go. So I'm I'm kind of in the middle of, of both playing and retirement, but you know we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we we will see for sure. Uh, now into like kind of a fun question I like to ask, um, and you could go about this however you want. But if you were to build a team around Jarrell Wright, who are you picking all time? Like it could be people you played with, people you haven't played with all time. All right, at my at my center, I'm going to get Shaq Diesel. Okay. My four men, Tim Duncan, myself at the three, Kobe at the at the two, and my point guard. Mm, I, I go get. You want D? D Wade? Huh? D Wade? Yeah, I I I could get Flash to play my point. Yeah, I get I could get Flash to play the point. I like that team. That, yeah. That that team, I think, probably went. <laughs> that that's a. Really, really good team. You mentioned Kobe. Is is there any cool? Uh, I know obviously you didn't play on a team with him, but is there any cool moments you had with Kobe um, on the court, off the court? Anything that yeah. you know really stuck out to you? Yeah, you know, uh, I would say that 2015, right before I went back to the Heat All Star Weekend in Toronto, uh, they had the um, they were honoring Kobe. They did a dinner. D Way, Chris Paul. And I think Bosch and all those guys honored Kobe for his last year. So uh, we had a good conversation. You know, I'm, I'm, I've always been the class clown. So 
I posted a picture after he passed away of all he uh Cole, D Wade and myself, like a little circle. We just talking, but those two guys are laughing after, you know, probably some silly stuff nonsense I said uh in the conversation. So that was probably like my best moment where, you know, I was able to to really sit there with two legends and, and talk basketball and life. So that that that'll be my my number one moment with him out of all the chance all out of all the battles we had and all the times I watched them as a kid, I think that that moment there having a conversation with those two guys uh, doing All-Star Weekend, his final season, would, would be the one that sticks out the most. Yeah, um, I know, obviously, like, probably me, like all of us, I mean, we're just shocked and so devastated to hear that news and, and for someone to play in them be like yourself. And I know, you, you know, you're good friends with D Wade and, and, you know, it's kind of, you, you guys are in a brotherhood really. And you guys are all in a, a special fraternity and when one, you know, no matter who it is, but especially Kobe for him to go was, was really tough. Um, I bet for you and, and everyone, you know, in that NBA community, you look and something, I think we, we wanted to touch on, we kind of forgot about, um, you came straight out of high school and now you see a lot of these kids and, and the NBA just opened up this program with the G League and you see this uh, Jalen Green, uh, who's going to be an NBA prospect come next year and skipping college and going to the G League. If that was an option about uh, now, if they had that option back then, would that have been an option you would have taken or would you still have gone straight out of high school and done what you did? <laughs> Shoot, if if I was getting five hundred thousand like Jalen Green, I would have been in the G League for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't mm-hmm. go to nobody college if they was gonna offer me five hundred thousand. Yeah, Slavin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. It, it's interesting because a lot of young guys, you know, you see guys going overseas too, like Lamelo Ball and all these other guys. So like, there's definitely a lot of different routes to get to the league um, that that young guys are taking. I want to ask about. The NBA now, um, who who are your, some of your favorite guys to watch? Uh, you got favorite teams. Uh, I don't know if, you know, you're probably uh, a Warriors fan, Heat fan. I don't know, uh, you know, what teams you watch or players you watch. Uh, well, at the that. moment right now, I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. Okay. Oh, that's true. Players, that's true. Yeah, my, my favorite players to watch is DeLon, DeBrody, Russell, mm-hmm. uh, Steph. <laughs> for sure and um yeah those, those are the guys that you know i consistently watching oh luca luca i like watching luca luca is a musician out there so yeah those and dane cj all all my friends all my close friends i, I keep a I, I keep a a close eye on them i love watching Kawhi now after i, I was uh able to watch him all those games in toronto when delon was there so yeah uh, it, it's not. It's, I got a bunch of guys I like watching or check up on. So, yeah, those are those. That's my crew of guys I like. The homies. Yeah, no. That, um, especially Thanks. like I like we mentioned before, your your little brother and you know rooting for him and stuff and having all your friends in the league. It, it's cool to watch. Obviously, we don't know when the NBA will return if it returns this season or not. But if it did return, who do you have going to the finals and who do you have winning it? <laughs> Oh, excuse me. I had whoever come out the West winning it. And I thought it would be maybe Clippers, Lakers out the West. And out the East, I would have, I would say, I like, 
Miami or Milwaukee. Yeah, but okay. I have whoever coming out the West winning it all. Yeah, well, that's fair. I know. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I know we hope and you do too that this NBA season can get back on track. You know, sooner yes, than sure. later, and so that way we all have something to watch and something to look forward to on a nightly basis. Um, but we, you know, we, we do want to thank you again for taking time out of thank your day you. uh, during this quarantine and, 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 you know, just chatting with us and, and doing this. Cause we, we really appreciate this as a growing podcast and stuff. Just, yeah, you know. no problem, man. No problem. And good luck to y'all boys. I hope that work, everything work out for you guys. Yeah. Appreciate thank it. you, Darrell. Yeah. Yes, sir. That was Darrell Wright. Former Miami Heat, Golden State Warrior, uh, ten plus years in the league. That was a that was a fun interview. I think out of all our interviews, that was probably the most laid back and just um, really getting to know the guy. Uh, I don't know for you that I mean that was really fun to me. Yeah, I thought that uh, it was a very uh, it didn't seem like we were too uh, you know it seemed it didn't seem forced. It sounded really. Um, chill, relaxed, um, and went really smooth. So I'm, I'm really happy that we got the chance to interview you, uh, Darrell, for hopping on the pod. Um, and you know, thank you to our listeners for watching, as always. Yeah, no, um, it w- it was definitely something that uh, different, and, and probably uh, you know, we hope to get more guys on like that. Uh, and as we grow, we hope to get more names and, and more players, and hopefully, you know. The guys, you know, we, we can create a reputation of getting players on, and not only players, but reporters, obviously, with no NBA right now. Uh, and we're still in quarantine, and who knows if the NBA will come back this season. You know, we're trying to get as many guests as we can on the podcast for you guys. And, and you know, not only for you guys, but for us, you know, learn, you know, and I, I, as you guys, you know, listen to this podcast, it was a lot of funny stories, a lot of interesting stories, uh, just stuff that, you know, you, you don't know, but you do know about certain players and stuff. So it was definitely a, a really, really uh, good podcast and, and cool podcast. Definitely. I think a lot of people can take away um, stuff from, and think about it, we've had, we've had on Copeland before we've had this guy. And um, those are the two, only the two players that we've had, but they both have very great stories. I think that deserve to be told. You know, not everyone walks the same path, you know, to get to the league or just in life in general. I think people take different paths. So it's good for people to learn and and, and listen to this so that they can grow in their own life. So it's, I, I thought it was a very good pod and um, a lot of information that uh, we didn't know and, you know, that our listeners didn't know. So I think we all learned a little something. Today. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned uh, Chris Copeland, who we interviewed. If you, if you guys haven't listened to that interview, go back. I was about five, six episodes ago now. Um, and, you know, you talk about different paths, you know, Durrell came, you know, straight out of high school, stuff like that, and, and was kind of a, one of the chosen ones, almost, you could say, uh, in terms of not many people come straight out of high school. But still, he had his trials and tribulations and had to go through stuff to still make it in this league, and, and it's not easy. So, it, it, you know, just like you said, it shows you that everyone may, goes to their different paths and everything. But, um. Other than that, I think that wraps it up for what are we episode huh. twenty one now? This was episode twenty one. So yeah, where can they like find that. us on social media and, and all that good stuff, Jake? Yeah, they could find us on uh, Instagram. We're on social media at underscore around the league underscore, and make sure to subscribe 
um, and leave a rating review and all that good stuff on our three streaming platforms, Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. That's a wrap. Peace out. Peace.